Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film After We Fell. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do listen without having seen it, just be aware there may be spoilers. Enjoy. Why, hello there. Good evening, sir. How are you? I am good. I can see that your background today is of a movie that's superior to this week's film. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have time to get a new background together. It was a little bit late today. So I just went to, you know, on Google Meet, it, um, it has, if you've ever uploaded a background image, they all just stay there. So I have my library of weird images to choose from. And one of them was from the film Cats. And it's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. So yeah, sorry that I had to repeat one, but it's it's always nice to see cats, isn't it? Cats twenty nineteen. <laughs> it it's hard to believe that cats came out before COVID, isn't it? <laughs> it was potentially the last movie ever released in cinemas. <laughs> had the last film had, ever, the last ever film in cinemas. Um, had had things not recovered enough for, for movies to be released in cinemas again. Yeah, um, but I'm glad they have been because I've been to the cinema. You have, and you went to go see a very special film. I did, it, I did, yeah. We've been talking about it for weeks, so you know, let's get this out of our system, and then we can not talk about June for a while. But I went to see June, and did you enjoy it? I, I loved it. Yeah, it was fantastic. It was kind of the perfect length, even though it ended kind of abruptly, like in the middle of the book. It was, it was just brilliant. It was a spectacle, but it still had that. It felt like pure Denny Villeneuve. And if, if you've seen Blade Runner 2049, then you know what I mean. But it's like his sense of the scale of things like spaceships and sandworms and all of those kinds of things. Just things, just like the sense of scale that he has for the future that he's imagining. This kind of post-apocalyptic thing in Blade Runner 2049 is just so perfect. And he gets it all completely right. And yeah, the performances were fantastic. Um yeah, it's it's kind of and it's it's a really it's an incredibly atmospheric sci-fi thing, isn't it? But ev- you're hanging on every single word because every sentence is like some kind of they introduce some new concept or some new word that you're not familiar with and you're like, "Oh, I wonder what that is and how it all fits together." But at the same time, I felt like it was really accessible as well and like that you could go and see it not knowing anything about it. Yeah, I think that it it didn't treat its audience like idiots and expect them to have to be spoon-fed. But at the same time, I don't think there was much in there that you didn't pick up just through, you know, conversation or just gleaning it from the world. Um, you know, it's it's easy to tell who the bad guys are, that the soldiers that they employ are terrifying, that there's a weird conspiracy of witches behind the scenes. Yep. It's all very... It's all very easy to understand, but it does it in a way that doesn't belittle the work as a whole, which I think was a very difficult thing to do, but he pulled it off incredibly well. So in the book, does um, the Stellan Skarsgård character, the Baron, does he end up in like a Marmite bath, like in the film? <laughs> yeah, that's word for word how, how it's described in the book, actually. Yeah. Um, Baron Harkonnen gets into his Marmite bath and goes, oh, you either love these or hate these, and I love these. <laughs> 
calls for his his toast soldiers to be brought in and starts (laughs) dunking them as he bathes. I hate that we call toast soldiers when it's sliced up. I'm not raising my children with that. What are you going to call it instead? Toast fingers. Toast fingers? No, that's weird. Does that sound weird to you? That does sound weird. That sounds like some kind of the nickname of some cockney thief. (laughs) Or here comes toast fingers. Go watch out for him. Gotta watch out for him. He'll 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 grab your grab your crockery. He will. Old toast fingers. He'll leave crumbs all over the place. Because <laughs> because fingers to me, <laughs> fingers implies like a finger sandwich, which is fish fingers. But that but that is exactly right because when you slice literally any other object of food into things, you call them fingers, right? Fish fingers, yeah. chocolate fingers, pizza yeah. fingers, <laughs> pizza fingers. Um, Chicken I think, fingers, coffee I, fingers. But I think that, yeah, when you talk about bread and fingers, it generally then turns into finger sandwiches as opposed to a singular slice, which may well be where toast soldiers came from. The toast soldiers came from this country's ridiculous attachment to militaristic bullshit is where it came from, and I'm not having it. <laughs> I've had enough. Um, <laughs> um, I think... Apparently, the specific term eggs with soldiers appears to date only from the 1960s. Yeah, there you go. That's the very beginning of, like, bullshit war nostalgia. It is possible that it was either popularised or invented in 1965 in a series of TV commercials for eggs, starring Tony Hancock and Patricia Hayes. Oh, that's annoying, because I like Tony Hancock. My um, my (laughs) great-grandfather knew him. And worked oh, with really? a few things, I think, yeah. Oh. Apparently shaped cutters to produce soldiers shaped uh, like human soldiers are also available. That sounds fucking hideous. <laughs> Jesus Christ, they do actually exist. I hope they're not lifelike. <laughs> <laughs> it, you can get a little um, beef eater egg cup with a little silicon mould thing to cut your soldiers to look like soldiers it's very disconcerting it almost looks like a the silhouette of mr ben though rather than a soldier oh no to be honest mr ben i hate (laughs) mr ben as well (laughs) but also if you you used that mold i mean i haven't seen it but i assume that because the shape of it is like a humanoid shape you put that on a piece of bread and sort of cut it out you're then left with the bit sort of either side of the head and the legs aren't you so what do you do with those bits of bread you're just wasting bread you you mash them all up and then you do it again like with dough for for like cookies. You just do that. What more could you want? So so we were talking about dew, yeah, weren't we? We were. It's it's very very good, and I think you should see it, even if you're not massively into like sci-fi epics. I think you might get something out of it. It could be because it is quite different. The, the sort of the Denny Villeneuve stamp on it gives it a sort of atmosphere and an aesthetic that isn't. It does. It doesn't have the sort of Star Wars camp to it, does it? And you might, no, and you might find it enga- more engaging than other stuff that's a bit like that. I guess. What do you think? Yeah, I think Villeneuve. He he does a really good job of creating things, like you said before, with that scale to them. So Blade Runner is a perfect example, but also Arrival is really good at that. I don't know if you've seen. No, I've Arrival. not seen that. Um, it's it's another fantastic movie that he's done. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's there's an there's a scale and a scope and 
a, a vision to his films that you don't really get anywhere else in the sci-fi space. Um, because a lot of the time, like you said, they lean into that camp. They lean into that, um, uh, you know, like uh, being able to actually sort of uh, empathise with the characters a bit too much, which has been sort of like, that's what Star Wars does. That's what, you know, Disney Disney sci-fi movies do in general. Yeah. Um, whereas these are very, very odd and very, very interesting um so i'd be yeah i i'd recommend people seeing june there won't be anything else quite like it that you've watched and you might hate that or you might really love it um and i think it's probably worth just giving it a go yeah get into it with an open mind and you might be pleasantly surprised yeah yeah 100 percent, 100 percent um and it's probably worth noting that the reason we've talked so long about june is that it helps us not talk about the movie that we were actually watching <laughs> for the podcast this week yeah anything not to talk about that even though it <laughs> so, was my idea is there anything you'd like to say to extend it or are we going to dive right in um well funnily enough on um on june i've also been re-watching some of the studio ghibli films as they're on netflix and i was watching nausicaa of the valley of the wind today and i think there's something in there that's a bit of a link with the sort of the the toxic air that they can't breathe and the masks that they wear and the sort of people being in that kind of toxic air setting there was a, a kind of a link between those two things in my mind not that i think it's like a direct influence but um there's perhaps a tiny through line from that through to denny villeneuve's june and the way that the people look and the way that they approach the the toxic air is is really interesting and nausicaa's just amazing yeah no nausicaa's a fantastic movie and people have have compared it to june before um to the to the novel rather than to denny villeneuve's movie obviously um but um but yeah and and uh people have called it anime's answer to june yeah as well um which which is interesting yeah, I guess all the politics between all the kingdoms and stuff is quite is kind of similar. It's well, yeah, there's no yeah. emperor in it, but it's all yeah, the, it's more of a post-apocalyptic environmentalist version of Dune, I guess. But again, if you haven't seen that, I highly recommend it. And again, even if you think you don't like anime or you don't like animated films, it might be quite different to other stuff that you've seen, and you'd probably like it for sure and and, and also in um june adjacent news there's also the news that um that's our being... new, new segment june adjacent <laughs> news ba, 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 bow. yeah i love it um th- th- it is that the incal is getting a movie adaptation oh yes you you did tell me about that and i've not read it and i i need to so so Alejandro Hodorowsky, who failed in his attempt to make June, his version of June was going to be a nine hour epic uh, starring Salvador Dali, <laughs> costing an outrageous amount of money. And it's one of the most important failed movie projects of all time. Yeah. Um, because it led to things like Star Wars, like Alien, and it led to the Incal, which is a, a, a comic that he put together. Um, with with uh, Jean Giraud, who was the the illustrator, otherwise known as Mobius, otherwise known as Mobius, yep. And it um, and it's a, a hugely influential and beloved beloved comic. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's been announced that uh, Taika Waititi is going to be making an adaptation of it. I think that looks really cool. And Mobius's artwork is fantastic. I've read some of his other work and seen a lot of his artwork, but um, I never read the Incal, so I'm going to get around to that soon. 
Although it is only one letter away from incel, so that's kind of worrying. <laughs> the incel. Yeah. Um, have, have, you, um, have you seen the documentary about Hodorowsky's Jew? No. Again, it's one of those things I've been meaning to watch for ages. Because it is fascinating hearing him talking about this this movie that, that never got off the ground and just the sheer scope of it and how interesting it was going to be. And I mean, it's one of those things where I, I, I think at that time in that era... I, it would have been a huge surprise for any studio to take a a, a chance on such a strange project, um, but um, but yeah, it's, it's a fascinating piece of work. And when you hear about the influence that it had, um, it's it's um, it's so interesting. It's so fascinating. Um, yeah. And so yeah, it's a, it's a recommendation is to to find that documentary, to watch Denny Villeneuve's other movies, to watch Norsica. Um, to watch uh, anything by Hodorowsky as well, because yeah, those are those are some interesting films. Yeah, <laughs> as well. Um, and not to watch um, after we fell. No, I think it's fair to say I do not recommend it to anyone. Like I think we we said this about the one previously. I kind of remember what it was called. We said not to watch that, and don't watch this either, unless you hate yourself. Yeah, After We Collided was the one before That's this, right. which I think might be our lowest rated movie it ever. It was. Did we give it a one? A we one. both give it a one? <laughs> yeah. We rated it even lower than Just Friends. And weirdly, yeah, that, that film was this year, so they're really cranking them out, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they, they've, they've got them on a real factory uh, factory line. And I remember because um, we did Just Friends last Christmas because that's a Christmas film and we gave that our, what at the time was our lowest rating and then After We Collided surpassed it quite quickly as the lowest rated film. Yeah, because After We Collided I think yeah came out right at the end of 2020, didn't it? Yeah. I think. Um, and I mean, what a, what a way to end a year. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's... Uh, but you yeah. know, compared to that 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 made so after we fell made after we collided look like a potentially enjoyable coherent film with someone you might know or like in it see what i what i find interesting about this is that it's it's a bad movie um it is a very bad movie but it's also incredibly boring and that somehow makes it worse doesn't it a thousand times worse yeah after we collided this was that that's the it's these what these have been basically based if you don't know about this series it's called the after series it's been called it's based on a series of books it's been called 50 shades of gray for teens it's it the author originally started out writing like <clears throat> one direction harry styles romantic fan fiction and then that sort of morphed into this book series and she got a book deal and now they're making films out of it. And apparently there are legions of teen fans who love it and have hashtags and all that kind of thing. I don't actually believe that, but... <laughs> you refuse to believe that. I refuse to believe it. They're all on TikTok doing sea shanties, aren't they? Yeah, but it's worth bearing in mind... I'm watching these... gamers on YouTube. But these books came out like eight years ago, seven years ago. Right, so those people are actually now disillusioned people in their 20s who just want to watch this because they want to switch the world off for 90 minutes. I get it, I get it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I think when you're talking about the, the, the youth of today, they probably wouldn't have much time for the After series. Um, what I find interesting is that for a book series that's supposedly so popular, the, the things like Wikipedia and stuff like that are actually relatively low. 
And when you look yeah. at the number of people who have ranked these movies, um, it's also relatively low when you compare it to other things that are of a sort of similar ilk. Um, so yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure if they are as popular as um, as people make them out to be. What I suspect is that the books had a brief moment, and as you say, like yeah, like eight years ago, and it was one of those publishing trends where they then bought up the movie rights and sort of started making the stuff, and then went, realized it's not as popular as all that, but it's not so unpopular that we can not make the rest of the films. We'll still be able to make money by putting them on streaming platforms and whatever. So let's just churn them out. And this one, after we felt really, really just feels churned out and phoned in, doesn't it? Like they filmed it all in Bulgaria during during COVID, apparently. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, well, um, I think it was all filmed in Bulgaria, and actually, some of the original uh, they you may have noticed as well if you if you had an eagle eye that all of the actors apart from Hero finds Tiffin and Josephine Langford had been replaced by other people, and it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but, like, but yeah, they the bits that are supposed to be London and the bits that are supposed to be America. It's Bulgaria, and you can sort of tell, no disrespect to Bulgaria, but you know sometimes when you're looking at a street and you're like, they've parked a bunch of British cars there on the left-hand side of the road, but you can tell that that's not London, right? Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's fair enough to say. And in terms of their success, the first movie made uh, 69.7 million nice. um, at the box office. Um, I'm not sure what that translates to into streaming, because I know that you know they're, they're heavily reliant on things like Amazon streaming. Yeah, um, the second one then made forty eight million at the box office, but again, it doesn't consider. Okay, um, well, those that, aren't those are good numbers. Yeah, they're they're good numbers, particularly considering that they don't cost a lot to make. Um, but um, but yeah, I, I do wonder about what the on demand services then also tally it up to. So they're yeah. not they're not failures by any means. Um, commercially, yeah, they're quite cheap to make. Probably half the budget goes on hero finds Tiffin's hair and leather jackets. <laughs> all the fake tattoos yeah um the um but yeah they they are they are not good and they fall into the same trappings that um that 50 shades does in terms of problematic um relationship glorification yeah um only this time it doesn't have the payoff of one of them being a billionaire so you can kind of be like well he is really rich he's not (laughs) just rich he's an incredibly rich guy He's an incredibly rich guy. Like, he um, can click his fingers and a helicopter's going to appear just right there. He's got a hundred butlers. Whereas, um, Hero Finds Tiffin's character... Um, in he's still the, living off mummy and daddy's money. He's he's still rich, but he's old rich. He's not, he's not new rich. He's not so filthy rich that he can buy Chelsea Football Club. He's, he's rich enough to... Uh, set fire to a hundred pound note in front of a homeless person Rich. he's like the heir to a biscuit fortune or some shit <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly he's nasty british rich not disgusting american rich yeah it's a his very dad owns big difference his dad owns greg's probably <laughs> there's a very there's a very big difference between those two kinds of rich um but yeah. after we fell it's the third movie in the series um and it's kind of running out of of things to really talk about isn't it and and the second movie had exactly the same problem um in terms of just having nowhere to go yeah um was, but, was there there were only 350 shades ones weren't there that's right yeah yeah cuz some of that in the middle sort of felt a bit like this didn't it where it's like middling yes. content where it's just them 
walking into rooms and saying things and just her saying something and him responding to absolutely everything that she says with some kind of negative comment and being an absolute dick. Like, it's just that over and over. But I guess with the Fifty Shades ones, it was like they sort of did all that in the second film but still managed to have some kind of, like, higher drama. Whereas this one, this one just, like, goes completely nowhere. And it's like, why are there four films? Are there that many books? I don't know. Um, so there's five. There's five books. Um, and and there. Oh, is, is that another... why there's a prequel? Because they said there's going to be four films and then a prequel. Yeah, that's right. So there's four movies and there's four books and then a prequel book as well. Oh, um, good. There's going to be, by the way, another Fifty Shades, um, because there is um, there is another one from the perspective of Christian Grey. Yeah, coming. yeah. And so, um, Anna Todd did the same thing with this one, where she wrote it from the perspective of Hardin Scott. <laughs> <laughs> as, as the young chap is called, uh, so oh, she did the same thing. So maybe we'll get that. But yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure we so will. we get a film from boring Jamie Dornan's perspective. I hope so. I, hope I will never too. forgive him for his crimes against the Irish in Wild Mountain Time. But uh, what I don't get is he is he is Northern Irish. How did he? How did he? Um, how did he mess it up so much? He was just a simpering fool. <laughs> That's what people say about me, though, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I, I still talk to you every week. I guess if Jamie <laughs> Dornan wants to phone in and talk to us every week, I'll allow it. I, there, I've got things about... There's there's certain things about Jamie Norden, Dornan that I, I respect. He is in um, some good stuff as well. So... I've got I've got time for I've got time for old James Dornan as he's known. Yeah, no, I, I think we had this conversation on the Wild Mountain Time episode and agreed that I actually have not seen much of his work. Yeah, it, it's just unfortunate that the most well-known things that he's in, or the most prominent things that he's in, are, are, are stuff that you despise. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but after so so after the first after is there at uni. And it's a terrible, toxic university relationship. In the second one, she gets a job and he doesn't like that she has a job. And in this one, it's basically the same thing again, where she's off somewhere doing her own thing. He doesn't like it. And then melodrama ensues with other random stuff being thrown in. Yeah, but what there's I a noticed... couple of random. There's like they're like what random sort of weird life events or things can we throw at them and then forget about five minutes later or make it like a massive thing and then suddenly end the film. It's like <laughs> yeah, yeah, ridiculous. Um, and and so th- this time around, um, it's not about it's it's not melodrama about our main characters. Instead, rather than this dogshit drama about our two leads, it's dogshit drama about other characters we don't care about instead. So yeah. there's a little there's a little bit here and there about Hardin and Tessa Trish. Tessa. Trish is another character. No, Trish. Tessa is the lead. We discussed the this lead. on the Love Wish episode. Only British women are allowed to be called Trish. She's an <laughs> yeah. American woman. Um and so um so uh yeah, so Tessa and Hardin, they they have their they have their problems. Hashtag Hard- Hessa, apparently. <laughs> Not Tardin. <laughs> Tardin. Sounds sounds like something you take up a mountain and eat to get calories as you walk, doesn't it? <laughs> like Kendall mint cake. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Taking a couple of Tardins. <laughs> Mum used to put them in my lunchbox every day. 
um so uh yeah so so you've got you've got their relationship troubles which is she's going off to try and better herself and live in seattle for a bit and work in publishing um and he doesn't like that because he's a controlling weirdo uh then she gets some guy's number um which you can't really refuse if 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 you're alone and there's a man you don't know and he's like here take my number Um, i knew when that waiter appeared that he was too good looking not to just be a waiter yes yeah exactly do you think that exactly um and so so she takes his number and then and then uh hardin gets off in a strop and and runs away again um and then it's completely forgotten about uh that that whole that whole drama and instead we get stuff about people cheating on one another and it turning out that spoiler alert for after we fell if anyone cares but one of the characters that we don't care about happens to be hardin's dad yeah that's that's where it ends in a very predictable twist um yeah it's it's extremely stupid um and it's a big old cliffhanger um but cliffhangers don't mean a lot in this movie because i seem to remember at the end of after we collided the big cliffhanger was the homeless man that hardin had been rude to multiple times turned out to be tessa's dad and then yeah. you're going to be like oh is this going to be an interesting dynamic in the next movie no it's not there's you've got a scene at the beginning um where he gets invited where to he comes into the house and there's like literally no conversation or anything uh, just like they're sitting down for dinner and he's gone oh that's nice and then suddenly that's it. It's just like we're on to the plot immediately. There's going to be zero characterization, near zero actual kind of narrative buildup of anything. It's just how can we use this homeless man to create some, to drive some wedge between these two teenagers? Yeah. And, and, and we get our first instance of Hardin being a bad human being where um, the, the father is an alcoholic and Hardin is an alcoholic as well. And they're like, oh, let's go get drunk at the bar. And they go to a bar and they get in a fight. And it's like, that is a really yeah. shitty thing to do to a recovery. Get in a, a bar fight for no reason yeah. over absolutely nothing. <laughs> Literally, this guy just comes up and he like, goes, and then they start suddenly punching yeah, everyone. He, he says, I would like to have sex with that woman. And then the dad goes, that's my daughter. And then Harding goes, that's my girlfriend. And then they fight. That, yeah. That's, it. that's um, how every bar fight happens. <laughs> I also know that this film opened. We should talk about it right from the beginning. The first scene is a flashback to like her dad leaving, so it can plant some trauma in its characters to try and make them interesting, because that's how you make characters. Um, to, there's a flashback to her dad leaving and her dad's drunk, um, and her mum is telling him to leave, like making him leave. She's letting a drunk man drive, and you're just like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's it's uh, it. He drives off drunk. And the film thinks that that's okay. It feels like once again, it's a movie written by aliens who watched Twilight once. That's what this feels <laughs> yeah. like. It doesn't feel human in any way, shape, or form. Um, and and I was I, well, like, it was written by an algorithm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because in the first movie, you've got the weird little boyfriend at home, haven't you? Um, oh yeah, the cardigan boy, cardigan boy who who is no longer relevant. Um, in the second movie, you had. One of the Sprouse brothers. Yes, and I was going to say, you know, that's like someone you've heard of who's good and funny and who carried that entire film, and there's nothing like that in this film. No, no. Uh, there's, Is it Sprouse there, or Spruce? 
I never I know. Don't, I don't know. What do you take me for? Somebody who knows how to pronounce things. I liked um, him in that film. That was was the worst film we've ever seen until after we fell. But was still <laughs> he still brought some kind of joy to it, didn't he? Um yes, yeah. He he was he still had that charisma and it did have that that um that that love triangle element going on. Um but um but yeah, obviously that's not here at all. The closest we get is uh, a waiter who appears in two scenes and then gets forgotten about. And then it's not Robert. really replaced Robert. Yep. Uh, best name for the best character, obviously. Um, and um, and it's, yeah, but nothing really replaces that love triangle. You've got really melodramatic bullshit from two incredibly immature people. And that's basically it. There's There's nothing happens in this film. Yeah, literally nothing. And he he is truly the worst person in the world, but somehow she's also <laughs> bad. Yeah, she I mean she's not she's not awful in the same way that he is. She she's got a similar issue to um to to things like um uh, like 50 shades or what was the what was the was it Italian? The Italian one where you got to see a bit of dick. The the Italian one where what? Where you get oh, to see a little um, bit of dick, a little bit of shark. Oh yeah, God, what the hell was that film called? Was it? It was like Italian Polish. Where oh, it's yeah, called like that's right. Ninety days of sex or something. That's right, ninety days. Yeah, where the guy had captured her and had given her ninety days to fall in love with him, or her whole family dies, or something similarly awful. Yeah, that's. <laughs> That's right. Um and, and it's a similar issue in terms of um illogical character steps to prolong the drama and prolong the romance when in reality this would never be romantic. Um because like you said, Hero finds Tiffin's character Hardin is is possibly the worst person in the world, isn't it? Yeah. And in like the first scene where she's kind of they've brought her homeless, destitute father in He's, and they're just kind of sitting at dinner. He's leaning back on his chair and just looking like a dick and being a sarcastic knob. And you're just like, what is wrong with you, you absolute dick? <laughs> he he sounds he sounds bored the entire time that the movie's going on, doesn't he? Yeah. He's a pet he's petulant, he's aggressive, he's unsupportive. Um But I mean, at one point he's reading The Great Gatsby, so like you know that he's like a really sensitive guy who likes books and stuff. Because no one who's an arsehole has ever been a fan of literature. Yeah. That every lit- literary fiction author is a lovely person. Yeah. Um, all their books about about professors at universities falling in love and sleeping with their students, which is the plot of every single um, <laughs> every single literary fiction novel, as far as I'm aware. Yep. Correct me if I'm wrong, publishing man. No, that's um, true. But- that's exactly how it works. Those are the only books that get picked up. And Everyone else has of, to self-publish. <laughs> and that's the kind of book that Hardin himself will write in, in 20 years' time. Um, but but in in terms of the supportive things he does in this movie, I suppose one of them is moving to Seattle to, to support her um, emotionally. But actually the only reason he does that is that he has a he has a dream where he gets cucked, doesn't he? Yeah, um, by Robert. And that, and and at that point he he goes off to, to go and support her, and that's literally the only thing he does that's supportive, apart from letting 
her homeless dad stay in their flat which i think is by default the thing you would do to a family member who was down on their luck so i don't think he gets many points for that for letting him use an entirely empty space that was otherwise going to be not used at all um i don't really think he gets points for that um and so my my response to these movies has always been just dump the dickhead yeah um at one which... point there's a scene where he's like crying to her and he's like i wish you would just dump me your life would be so much better i wish it would be easy for you you would be so much better off without me and i'm thinking yes yes she would yes she absolutely would come on do it dump him dump him and go out with cole sprouse or dylan sprouse i don't know which one it was whichever one um it's the one who's not from riverdale yes yeah um and and you know what you're completely right and it's time for agony uncle rob everybody it's that time of the show Um, do we need another jingle for that one as well we we do agony uncle rob he was such a problems out he will listen to you agony uncle rob has good advice i mean that's absolutely beautiful i love it need some saxophone Um, it it does it does i hope that you take that sample and you make me a little um make me a little tune there paddy yeah usually um, it's your your um improvised singing that i'm working with so it'd be nice <laughs> for me to get a chance yeah you get to have a chance this time i should make like a super cut of all those little songs of yours I've, that we've done over i mean years. i would i would love that that would possibly be my favorite thing ever in the history of the internet um but in this movie one of the characters says outright relationships are complicated and news flash for everybody i'm here i'm your favorite agony uncle i'm who you come to for for soul searching and advice um relationships aren't complicated then they're not not nowhere near to the extent that they're portrayed in this movie yeah you might have difficult moments here and there but if you're having this many issues with trust or consistency with your partner with support from your partner it's not worth it because they're not giving you the emotional respect that you deserve and that's exactly what's going on in this movie um and i i know that we're not the target demographic of these films not by any means um you know we're we're old men now in the grand scheme of things yeah um but i recognize damaging messaging when i see it in a film and that's the huge problem with these movies. And it's always been the huge problem with these movies is that it romanticizes toxic relationships. It romanticizes controlling men in relationships by putting this um, this emotional weight, this artistic weight behind them. Um, and that toxic- toxicity in reality is incredibly dangerous. Um, what about because- the toxicity of our city? Of our city. <laughs> um that's one for in, our other show. Hard in wishes that he owned the world, um, and that's that's the problem. Um, but yeah, it, the, the the problem with him as a character is that he is a he he's he's a disrespectful person to everyone around him, and they try and wrap it up in the the issues that he has going on in his life and and the trauma that he's gone through. But in reality that's not how that would be represented but in this film they don't even bother to do that do they he's just a complete asshole they don't even bother to try and explain it they're like by now you're in you're hooked if you're watching this it's the third film in the series you don't need all that stuff because you don't even care you love the fact that he's an asshole and you want to date an asshole don't you you hogs 
Yeah, everyone should date arseholes. Arseholes are romantic. That's the kind of messaging of these movies, and it feels like, you know, it, it feels like bad fan fiction, doesn't it? And, and that's the problem, much more so than some of the other movies we've watched, like even the Fifty Shades films, where, yeah, the second one in particular of Fifty Shades felt had these kind of issues, but it was much more competently done. And at least that descended into like knife fights yeah and things like that and explosions and things the 50 shades Whereas, films yeah. at least felt more like a um a tribute to aggressive billionaire rentier capitalism didn't they with their sort of display of ridiculous opulence and stuff there was none of that with these films because they're <laughs> no filmed on a shoestring in bulgaria in, in the middle of a pandemic no, and and he's old money as well, isn't he? That's the, that's the thing. A hard yeah, old money. Yeah. He doesn't have a he doesn't have a helicopter. His parents him. came up with a like a Worcestershire sauce or something. <laughs> uh, a few generations ago, he was uh, an actual lord who had a manor, and then they had to use that money to go and do something, which actually lost them money, but they're still considered successful businessmen because that's yeah. how business works in the UK. It was like a big um, horse racing scam or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. No, um, isn't his dad like not his real dad? Lol, isn't his dad like the um, the dean of the university somehow? Yes, that's yeah. right. And he sees yeah. him one, in one scene in this film, and they have a pointless <laughs> chat that goes absolutely nowhere. And yeah, it doesn't go it doesn't go anywhere at all. So he's um, just rich enough that like he doesn't really have to work or think about getting a job, but he doesn't have like a butler or anything. Yeah, precisely, precisely. Because you never ever see him doing any any work or anything that resembles work, do you? No, not even university work when he was at university. He just kind of broods. And in this movie, he boxes. That's what his thing is now. He's a boxer. Yeah. So you get to see him with his shirt off and he's hot and he's got tattoos and he's aggressive. And that's what you want, audience, isn't it? You want an aggressive man who could punch your face in but he wouldn't because he's really soft on the inside apart from he's not because he's a controlling arsehole yeah that's what you want you scumbags yeah and you'd love to see him knock some random guys out in a bar with your dad wouldn't you yeah exactly it's 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 really it it feels archaic it's the archaic form of what women want isn't it um that's that's they want a guy who wears all black to his mother's wedding because he's a fucking knob (laughs) exactly exactly and and the other thing i'd say about this versus 50 shades is at least 50 shades had the semblance of sexiness to it with like whips and chains and stuff whereas these movies have the most incredibly boring sex scenes that i think have ever been put on film yeah, they're supposed to be like steamy, but they're just really dull. And and there's a lot of them. There's a lot of sex scenes in this movie. There's a horrible phone sex scene. That's new. Oh yeah, that was uncomfortable to watch. Um, and there's then one there's, in the gym when he's in... hot and sweaty and had a dr- had the dream about being cucked. That's when they. That's when she comes down and finds him in the gym, and then of course they make up by having sex. Yeah, because. Um... What you want is just after a man has been incredibly aggressive and punching things, that's when he's his most attractive and when you want to have sex with him. Um, you've got them having sex in the jacuzzi. Yep. Um, because that's how you're nice and respectful for the people that are letting you stay there free of charge is to have sex in their, their hot tub. Um, that's That's always nice. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. They're, but they're also boring. It's just vanilla, isn't it? Yeah, like, you were hoping at that point it was going to turn into a hot tub time machine. 
yeah, exactly. Or like she pulls out a strap on or something like, oh, okay, we're doing something slightly different here. But no, it's just vanilla sex between an aggressive man and a a tepid woman who has no personality or agency. Um, and it's just it's just boring. And that's the main problem with this movie. It's it's boring from start to finish. It moves at a glacial pace. It's only an hour and a half long, but it feels like it lasts about 15 years, doesn't it? So it's not so much a hot tub, but a tepid tub. <laughs> exactly. This is a tepid movie. Tepid tub time through. machine. Tepid tub time machine. It's just an extremely dull film um, from start to finish. Yep. And uh, yeah, I would not recommend it to anybody. So she works for a guy who's called Christian Vance. I mean, as all like rich, powerful men in films are called Christian, that's a rule. And then Vance, like, and then he has a son Vance who's called Refrigeration. Smith. Yeah, Vance Refrigeration. Yeah, his son is called Smith. Smith Vance. I said this last time, obviously, but no, <laughs> no that's that's not a name. No one's called that. Um, unlike Harden. Harden Stone, what's he called? Yeah, Harden Hassan Scott Stone, Scott Hardin, yeah. Harden Scott, isn't it? Hardin, Hardin Scott. Again, no one's called that either. Just give people normal names. Nobody cares. Did Did Smith Vance appear in this movie at all? Yeah, in like one scene, so that did Hardin he? could give, so that he could give Hardin a hug to show that Hardin's a nice guy. Yeah, because the weird bow tie kid likes him. Yeah. The weird bowtie kid who's actually his brother, lol. He's, yeah, who's actually his brother. Um, because that was that was incredibly annoying. So it turns out that, that Chris Vance of Vance Refrigeration um, is actually his dad. And it leads to a... Well, it comes from a spectacular scene where you get to hear Hero Finds Tiffin say the line, He's been fucking my mum! <laughs> Which I don't know if you found that as, as hilarious yeah. as I did. In that sort of, yeah, quasi trying to pretend he's not posh, weird, badly auditioning for EastEnders accent that he has throughout <laughs> all of these films. Um, it's, it's, I don't it's a, date. A, it's a man from Chelsea who's been to Dalston once. <laughs> that's, that, that, that's Harden's character. Um, yeah. It's, he's it's in the background he's made in Chelsea. <laughs> exactly exactly um but it's it's truly an awful film I, I was trying to think is this movie as bad as after we collided and to be honest i don't know because like i don't remember after we collided very much apart from that it was truly terrible this movie is dog shit it is genuinely dog shit don't get me wrong yeah um but I can't tell. This, this movie is the poo-poo of a Great Dane. <laughs> um, it's, ge- genuinely, it might be the worst movie I've ever seen. Um, it's up there. I, I, I don't think I can necessarily rank it lower than than After We Collided because I can't remember. I blotted out how awful that film was. Um, yeah. It, it's, t- it's hard to say, isn't it? We're getting to the yeah. point now of, like, is it worse? I think maybe it is because it didn't have the Sprouse boy and it's just so boring. It was like, really it's boring. It's just so completely devoid of anything, really, wasn't it? It's just a vacuum. Yeah, I, I don't know whether it was as problematic. That's the only thing holding me back. It's Harden in this movie is a problematic arsehole. He is terrible. His, his wannabe 2005 emo 
but also a boxer bullshit is is grating um he's a he's a horrible human being who is rude to everyone around him um and like you said it doesn't have the 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 um trauma background in this movie you know at, at this point like you said they you if you're in these movies now you don't need any more justification for him being a dick yeah they, they, they've given that paper thin explanation so now they're just having him being him but at the same time you just realize that it's not trying and the, yeah, yeah yeah the last film maybe wasn't trying either but this film is not trying even harder so you're yeah. like is does that mean that it's worse yeah and and i think i'm yeah, I I can't remember to to go lower than one. I'd have to give it a zero. Yeah, and is it I'm, a zero? I mean, I'm, a film did happen. <laughs> a film did. There was happen. ninety minutes of film that you can watch on Amazon Prime for yeah. free. <laughs> so it is there. Um, I'll, I'm quite happy with you giving it a zero. I think I'm going to give it a one. Okay. And I'll let you decide whether it is the worst movie or the equal worst movie so it would score a 0.5 it would score a 0.5 yeah that's the thing i don't know if i want to save my zero for something that's truly hateful you know (laughs) yeah if we if we watch a rom-com about nazis at some point or something like that yeah, um, there's probably some weird film made up by made by alt right people that's yeah, going to be yeah. like hateful, isn't there? It's going to be worse than this. You've got those um, weird evangelical movies about um, about Exodus, haven't you? Oh, jeez, um, those yeah. those sci- those sci fi apocalypse ones, which are all about how how evangelical Christians are the only good people and and homosexuals are bad, and here's the end of the world. Um, what are they called? Is it Left Behind? Something like that, yeah. I think it's Left Behind, isn't it? Um, so we've got them at some point. Not that we'll necessarily watch them because I don't know how much romance there is in it. Um, but there's there's bound to be a there's bound to be a rom com equivalent of that to yeah. watch. So l- maybe maybe I'll do I'll do the same. Let let's keep it at a one. And say that it is more or less as bad as the one before, but it is still terrible. <laughs> yeah, it is truly awful. And it is it is maybe a worse movie, but it's maybe not half the movie that After We Collided is, which is what the score would reflect. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's just more of the same nonsense. It's got, you know, sad, breathy music when he's sad. It's got pumping pop music that is probably by artists that are popular now that I don't know when they're having sex you know it's got all that stuff <laughs> um and the thing that i would also say is and something that's frustrating is i don't we, we've talked a lot about how much we hate hero finds tiffin and don't get me wrong i hope he dies tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> that's just a joke by the way before anyone calls me out on that for cancel culture um you know he's he's not necessarily the best actor in the world um but he's probably better than these movies. Um, and it's the same for um, Josephine Langford, who plays um, Tessa in these films. Yeah, I'm sure she's better. And you can see little hints of it here where you're like, this is a person who has actual talent. Why are they in these films? What you hope is that both of them will go on to better things in their careers, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Even though I um, find Hero Finds Tiffin immensely irritating in these films, but I'm sure that... 
he in the future will do better films than this and will prove that he's a good actor but in this he just comes across as absolutely awful but that's partly the character that he's playing and, and that's the so thing, maybe the he knows that he's playing a complete dickhead and he's playing up to it so maybe the joke's on us <laughs> yeah maybe it's all a, all an art performance all these years um but yeah i think i think he's he's got to be better than these movies and so this I is think... all just as we've discussed offline this is all just leading to him in about 15 years time maybe 20 15 20 years playing elon musk in the film that's inevitably going to be called <laughs> musk <laughs> yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. um yeah I, i'm fully behind him being cast as elon musk in musk um, he's he's in a movie that sounds interesting called The Woman King, which is about the kingdom of Dahomey in um, in Africa. Okay, um, which sounds really interesting. It's also got Lashana Lynch, John Boyega, Viola Davis. All right, um, it sounds like it could be really interesting, and maybe that's going to be a turning point where he can be in a film like that, get to show that he's got more to him than um, than this. Yeah. Um, and and this a film in which at the end when they kiss they're standing in the middle of the road and the cars are just driving around them and just going get out of the road and I mean that would never happen in London would it no or in Bulgaria (laughs) they would run them over there in London there would be uh, a white van man who shouts get out of the road you went ah (laughs) you went ah (laughs) throws a bap at them like that (laughs) It's it's yeah it's it's truly. And then Hero finds Tiffin would say, "Who you calling a wank? Ah, who you calling a wank? Oh, I'm hard, mate. I'll beat you up, <laughs> and my girlfriend will love it. She'll love it because she loves it when I'm violent. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I I think everyone involved in these movies can do better. Yeah. Than this, surely. I mean, it's not as though they can do any worse. Even Robert the waiter. Even Robert the waiter. <laughs> he could do better. He's going to get an Oscar in ten years. Yeah. Um but e- even the um the director has done other things. Um, Who's the director? The director is uh, Castile Landon, um who did a movie called Fear of Rain this year, um which is about a, a woman who has schizophrenia. Um and it's kind of like a it's it's supposedly sort of like a sort of Hitchcockian um thriller where it's right. about what do, do people believe what she's saying or do they feel that it's hallucinations um because she she thinks that a, a neighbor's kidnapped a kid um and i've heard that it's it's not entirely accurate or successful in its in being a an accurate depiction of mental illness but it's better than you'd think <laughs> it sounds like it's trying to do something different yeah. and original at least yeah exactly so you know you've got you've got this stuff going on she also directed a movie called albion the enchanted stallion which sounds spectacular okay. because it's about a magical horse um what more can you want i'm from always here for a magical horse film um so like every everyone involved in this has more potential than these movies and like this is this is capitalism in action isn't it yeah the, the, these it's movies churning out exist. content the, these this movies only exist because capitalism is bad and we should overthrow capitalism and that's the real message of of the after movies they've been deliberately made this awful to bring us closer and closer to the revolution and you look at things like this and you think if there were better actors would it be this if there was a better director or cinematography or if it wasn't shot in bulgaria you know would it be better and the answer is probably no because i suspect that the source material is bad and there's no way to make it good. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not going to read the books to find out. 
I mean, the, the, the structural issues with these works are down to the theme. They're down to the core, the rotten core of the after story. And there's not a lot you can do to salvage it when the, the core central premise is so broken to begin with. Which, and I, I suspect that most of the people involved sort of know that. And that's why they're just phoning it in and getting on with it, because they know that that's what they have to do because capitalism. Yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, that, that may well be part of it. You take a job, don't you? And this is a job that'll get watched by people because it's from a, uh, a an ebook series that people enjoyed. Yeah, and that, it's just really sad. It's sad that's, that this exists. That's content. Yeah, this is this is what you want when you want movies to um, <laughs> when you want movies to be available whenever you want them. This is what you get. Yeah. So that's a very sad note. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to say about this movie? Can I just um, repeat just that he goes, the... he's been fucking my mummy, has. <laughs> what are you doing, mate? Yeah, all his kind You're of outbursts dad. were more what? hilarious than ever. Where he, he said the F word a lot and it was always funny. All right, Rob the waiter. No, I'll, you come back later and you'll take my order. <laughs> yeah. I own you, waiter boy. I'm, I'm hard in Scott. And I, I'm going to order what I want, when I want, from your restaurant, mate. I'm hard as nails in this big, fine dining establishment. <laughs> that was a very accurate portrayal of half of the film. <laughs> I'm a real rough guy, apart from the fact that I only interact in incredibly posh environments with other posh people. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I wanted to highlight that there's a point where he says, there's a big difference between not being able to live without someone and loving them. And like that is supposed to be sort of a, a good and quotable line, I think. And I imagine that comes from the book. I imagine that's the kind of thing that the teenagers, where they read this book, think, oh, that's like really profound. But that is absolute bollocks, total bullshit. <laughs> and that kind of exemplifies the problem, the, the rotten core of this stuff, doesn't it? That like what you should want in life is a really toxic and problematic relationship because that person can't supposedly can't live without you. And again, that's like the worst example of it romanticizing abusive and toxic relationships. Exactly, exactly. Um, and yeah, that's that's the big problem, isn't it? Can I just, uh, sorry for the interruption there, but it's called 365 Days. Oh, that's 365 Days, that's right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're, you're and that was not wrong. good. But that was way better than this. I mean, that had that had proper horny sex scenes, though. You get to see a little bit of shaft. Yeah. I and mean, how often do you get to see that about a movie? There was a shaft in the shower, <laughs> and that had explosions in it as well. Yeah. Oh, it did. Um, yeah, it had a car chase. Yeah. Um, There's going to be a sequel to that at some point, isn't there? Is there? That's great. I I'm think very so. Excited about that. Um, we've got. Um, just to point out as well, this is the lowest rated on IMDb at 4.8 out of 10, which is far too high. 4.8? Um, yeah. That's almost a Bon Jovi. <laughs> it's almost a Bon Jovi. Although in, in audience standings, I think a 6 out of 10 is average. Right. If okay. you put something out of 5, that's generally seen as a bad film. Um, when it comes to critic reviews, it's not quite as, as good. Um, it was generally horrendously received. <laughs> By by uh, by critics, yeah, um, no surprises there. Which yeah is not uh, not not surprising. Um, it's yeah truly truly one of the worst movies I think I've ever seen. 
Yes, it's absolutely one of the worst films I've ever seen. Um, so, have you got anything else you want to say about about this this train wreck? No, just that there are there are a lot of other things you could do with ninety minutes. Oh, wait, hang on, one other thing. There's a scene where Christian Vance from Vance Refrigeration is having a big swanky party at some massive venue because that's what publishers do all the time because they've got the money for it because books make loads of money. Um, and I swear, I, I haven't been able to verify this, but I swear there's like a split second clip of him shaking hands with Jeff Bezos. Did you see that? <laughs> I didn't see that, no, but that's amazing. If it's not Jeff Bezos, it's a man who looks exactly like him and they're in Seattle, so you're just like, that's clearly supposed to be Jeff Bezos. Biff Jezos, it was. <laughs> Boff Jezos. <laughs> so I, I've got one thing I just want to point out as well, and that is the one user review of this movie, or Metacritic, from a user called 0987, and it just reads this. And this is still a thing. Fifty Shades franchise, at least was it citing. But this... It's just no. <laughs> so, yeah. so zero nine eight seven. Um, I agree with you on that. Yep. We took an hour to get to a point that that person has got down in you know twenty seconds. <laughs> um, they 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 have some good opinions to zero nine eight seven. They're a big fan of Chemtrails Over the Country Club. The okay. Um, the Lana Del Rey album. Um, writing thank god for lana del rey and her music uh which is good um a fan of of chromatica as well the uh the lady gaga album okay um so you know pretty good only two negative reviews on there so not someone who just just comes out and and says stuff what was the other Um, one the other one was for art pop the other lady gaga album (laughs) clearly not a fan of that um so um yeah and then uh then rank some stuff medium including a beyonce album so uh yeah interesting scores there zero nine eight seven if you're listening let us know we appreciate if you're listening your... big fan of your work big, big fan of your work keep it up um yeah we, we we approve we approve wholeheartedly um in terms of movies i'm sorry paddy but they liked brokeback mountain goodwill hunting and kill bill volume one I'm fine with Brokeback Mountain and Goodwill Hunting. Um, they liked the Kill Lion Bill, King. Kill Bin, more like. They liked Toy Story Four. <laughs> they did not like Tom and Jerry, or After We Collided, where they said even worse than its predecessor. Nothing else to say. Terrible, terrible, terrible. But they still came back and watched After but We Fell. They still came back and watched After We Fell. <laughs> it's someone like us. Someone who likes to torture themselves. Yeah, yeah, they just keep coming back. Um, we need to get this person on the show. <laughs> um, the the best review, though, is of Son of the Mask, which I don't know if you remember, it's known as one of the, the, the worst movies no. of all time. Is that a sequel to The Mask? It is a, it is a sequel to The Mask. It's notoriously well, bad. Somebody should have stopped that. <laughs> they should. Um, and they wrote, This is a disaster movie. I don't like it, with about ten exclamation marks after it. <laughs> The Mask with Jim Carrey was much meta- better than this part of Mask with about 20 exclamation marks on it. <laughs> Which, again, I wholeheartedly agree with. 0987, uh, are you secretly my Metacritic account? Cause, is this cause, just your own account and is, you're is doing just kind me? of a slow do, reveal? Do, do I have, do I have a, a secret alter ego, maybe? We'll, we'll find out. <laughs> 
on the next episode of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, this is where we kind of morph into one of those mystery murder podcasts that everyone loves that are the only podcasts. We had to do it eventually because it's a legal requirement. Yes, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, it's it, it, If you have a podcast, you have to turn mystery at some point, and, and our next mystery is, who is user 0987 on Metacritic? <laughs> We've put it off for long enough. We have, yeah, they're, they're knocking on our door now. Um, the the yep. people behind Medium, they, they set the law. So yeah, listen in next week, because I have a really low low audio quality telephone conversation with 0987's granddad <laughs> and oh, i visit wait. his school to talk about his teachers and people who met him once can't wait for it um so you've got the choice of of movie next haven't you although maybe we should formalize our one ranking for this movie i suppose yes let's let's just confirm that i'm giving it a one you're giving it a one it's the same as after we collided yeah um the the answer to the 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 actual ranking system is how many times are you going to watch this movie paddy and the answer is once and never again um (laughs) that's good uh, i wasn't sure it even deserved the dignity of getting its own rating scale it, it needed a snarky one it needed a snarky one um so uh so um what what have we got next you've got another horror show for me haven't you yes i have we're going we're doing another musical we were going to do it after um dear evan hansen but we thought we'd throw in something to to cleanse the palate as after we fell definitely did but this is kind of an odd one because it's it's technically they've just filmed a theater production and put it on netflix but if it's on netflix i'm going to say that it counts and it's called diana the musical it's a musical about princess diana it's going to be awesome yeah i can't wait we were gonna try and do a diana double bill and watch spencer as well but it's not out yet it's not now it's it's only in the cinema and i'm not gonna pay to see that serious (laughs) it looks really serious and it looks very serious doesn't it i don't want that Um, yeah unless it's got hero finds tiffin shouting you fuck my (laughs) mum i'm not interested in in any movies going forward that's the pinnacle of cinema yeah so yeah, musical about Princess Diana. I hope it's really trashy and disrespectful. I have heard that it is, so <laughs> let's find out. Good. I'm looking forward to that. But um, well, thanks a lot for tuning in. I hope you didn't watch After We Fell, but if you did, now you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's a link in our show notes to where you can give us money. You can find us on Twitter at Big Boys Don't Pod and emails at Big Boys Don't Cry Podcast at gmail dot com. And we'll be back next week to talk about Diana the Musical. All right, bye.